Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Good morning, Kieran. How are you? I'm I'm good. Thanks very much. Uh, yeah, I went to went to see The Cure at Wembley on on Monday. Uh, oh, really? And you sound surprisingly chipper. <laughs> I've never seen Robert Smith so happy. Really? He was... He, he was he even wandered off with a microphone and started singing. Yeah, right. normally he's hiding behind his guitar, but he, oh, yeah. he was he was waving to the crowd and trying I mean, to crack gags, and it, it was it, it was it was wonderful to see. It sounds a bit sinister to me. Are you sure that was a genuine smile, Kieran? He hadn't just lipsticked an upward, <laughs> an upward curve on his face. And he... <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Kieran. I know how much you love the Cure. So it's it's um, the idea of a happy Robert Smith, though, crikey. Um, Yes, World Cup semi-final, first one yesterday. I love Paris, Kieran, but I'm, I think it's probably for the best that I'm not there this evening while France and Morocco yes. plays out live <laughs> on the streets of Paris. Um, it's Newsday, Kieran. Before we get into this week's news stories, and there are some big ones, a reminder that First Era Price of Football Replica Shirt is now available to pre-order. They're available in adult and kids' sizes. And all the profits we make will go to gambling with lies, so it's all in a good cause. Finley doesn't like it. Every time I mention profits going somewhere else, Finley, <laughs> Finley's going. Well, that's his that's his wonky chomp, chomp allowance being oh, that, reduced. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> that's, that's what he's worried about. He's, yeah, uh, Finley's got the, the heart of a canine capitalist there, isn't he? And as I say, all the profits are going to Gamble Aware, so it's in a good cause. Go to priceoffootball.com or our social media pages to get into our uh, online shop. Uh, apologies, of course, there may be some delays if you have ordered them. I know many of you have already um, with the way things are at the moment with uh, various industrial actions that are going on. It might be some time before you get them. It definitely won't be before Christmas. I can guarantee yeah. that for nothing. Uh, it's Newsday, Kieran. Um, our first news story is a kind of prediction of a news story that we'll have to get into in more detail on Sunday because we're expecting uh, news from Europe tomorrow, aren't we, about the European Super League? Yes. So uh, the, the the supporters of Super League, who explicitly are the owners of Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona and Juventus, have put in a uh, legal claim to the European Court of Justice and the uh, the initial it's not a ruling, but the initial uh, decree is coming out on Thursday. So what the Super League supporters are saying is that uh, UEFA has been operating as a monopoly in the sense that it's run the competition for its own benefit um, as well as organised the competition. And that is anti-competitive. It is therefore against some of the the central rules of of EU law. Um, And uh, they are trying to uh, allow a Super League to be set up as an alternate competition. Now, UEFA are saying, well, you're perfectly entitled to set up an alternate competition, but don't think that we are going to allow you to play in the uh, in the Champions League in the interim period. And... Um, you know, if if you if if the players that you have want to play in other UEFA competitions, such as the uh, such as the Euros, um, well, we might have an issue with that as well. Um, and also, some of the domestic leagues are uncomfortable because 
all of a sudden you've got yeah the while whilst it's a it's a bit of a strange fight the the fight to finish fourth in the Premier League is is quite interesting mm. at times um and that would no longer apply so the 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 interest in in the Premier La League La Liga Bundesliga and so on um in the sense of having to qualify for competitions through success domestically that will be completely decoupled um, by the the Super League proposals, um, and the the value of the domestic leagues would fall. There has been a report done. You always have to you know be, have a little bit of a raised eyebrow, eyebrow when you read these things. But it said that that ninety five percent of professional footballers would end up on less money because mm. of the decrease in the value of of domestic leagues throughout Europe. So um, that's that's where we are. Um, I've, I've contacted. One or two uh, lawyers that uh, I know work in the in the should we say the sports space um, or, or have a knowledge of this, and um, they seem to think that uh, UEFA have a better case than that of Super League, um, and uh, what could result is is Super League um, either being a three club competition, which mm. I don't think would be particularly attractive. Or that there will be a few crumbs thrown at Super League, so to allow them to say, "Well, we, we this is all to, this is all due to the fact that we're we're a principled bunch of uh, individuals uh, at Juventus who are currently subject to financial repercussions uh, in respect of wages." Uh, Barcelona, who were uh, fined by the fined by the European Court for uh, uh, illegal state aid, and Real Madrid, who are also fined for taking illegal state aid. So, so yeah, the, these fine and upstanding clubs, it could be that they'll, they'll, they'll get a few words of solace um, or, or we might have got it wrong and they, and they could be successful. And they, they, they're using a, a, a very, uh, very silver-tongued and uh, persuasive organisation called A22 to put mm. forward their case, um, which uh, and every time they put something out on social media, um, I'm, I'm like a dog with a bone. Uh, in terms of pointing out a few inconsistencies in what they report. Mm. I think to be fair to Juventus, uh, Kieran, and all the people that have been running that club, even Uncle Terry had principles. (laughs) It's it's just that some of those principles differed differed slightly from the rest of us. Um, um, In in the meantime, Kieran, the Premier League welcomes a new American owner to its ranks. Yes. Hello, Bill Foley. I, I think uh, there could be one or two changes at, at Bournemouth. Uh, he's he's bought Bournemouth from uh, Max uh, Demin for somewhere in the region of 120 to 130 million pounds. Is is the noises that we're hearing? And given that that comes with with two years of uh, effective two years of guaranteed parachute payments, um, and the last time that uh, Bournemouth were relegated, that they've they've got some pretty severe relegation clauses embedded into contracts, so their wage bill uh, effectively halved um, the, the last time they, they they did go down. You know, it, it does seem to he's got a I think he's, he's got a reasonable price there. Um, for people not familiar with Bill Foley, he's uh, he is an American individual. Um, he's he's seventy seven years old, so mm. yeah, I think uh, if, if if there's some long term projects in respect of uh, of Bournemouth, he's, he's he's probably going to want to uh, get those done as, as quickly as possible. And I know there's been talk about uh, moving to a, a bigger stadium 
or creating a, you know, it's only got a capacity of 11,000. And if we do move to a wage cap in the Premier League, which is linked to revenue, then um, you know, getting more money in is absolutely essential. Um, his, his experience of... Uh, uh, of sport is that he owns the the Vegas Knights, Kevin. The mm. Vegas Knights, um, who are uh, based in in Las Vegas. Now, when when I think of Las Vegas and weather, I think uh, pr- I probably would not be sitting uh, as I am presently sitting with a with a hot water bottle and a duvet wrapped around me, trying to keep warm. Uh, so um, it, it's slightly unusual, therefore, that uh, that Bill Foley introduced ice hockey to Las Vegas. Uh, with the Vegas Knights, uh, and initially it was quite successful, and, and then things haven't worked out perhaps as as well as he's liked recently. Um, I think it's fair to say that he is he's a hands on style of owner, so that there is talk about him moving to uh, to to the south. Um, uh, Bournemouth's finances they owe Maxin Denim's holding company, which is based um, in that, that paragon of uh, transparency, the British Virgin Islands. It owed them £128 million in their last accounts. He's since lent them a further £24 million. They've also borrowed money from our good friends at Macquarie, the Australian specialist, uh, against their future TV monies. So so what Bill Foley is inheriting is... Uh, is uncertain. Um, I, I don't. I think like uh, Max Demin has uh, probably had to take a bit of a haircut in, in terms of the money that he's put into the club. I don't think he'll be getting the full amount back. Uh, but the club's been up for sale to three to four years, and, and I think he's uh, he, he's gone as far as he can go with the with with Bournemouth. Uh, I'm sorry to hear, Kieran, that you're wrapped up in a, a dressing gown and a duvet because I know for a fact that as we speak, producer Guy and his family are lying in a hot tub. Preparing <laughs> next week's <laughs> pod, um, ready for a quick sauna upstairs. Um, it, it, in the end, we knew about his interest in Bournemouth for quite some mm. time, Kieran, and it, it took a long time for it to happen. There were some people suggesting that maybe he was waiting to see what Bournemouth's league position was was likely to be because they they're probably doing better than most people would have expected. So, is that possible, or is it just that these things do take some time to complete? Um, I think there, there there might have been um, an element of that. Um, uh, yeah, Bournemouth had have done very well, um, uh, and uh, I think exceeded expectations. Um, there's also the issue is that the the Premier League um, is being very forensic in terms of its scrutiny of of future right. owners. Okay. Right, it, okay. it, it doesn't want to. So therefore, the owners and directors test. Um, has to has to be confirmed, and and that's why we've we've not seen uh, you know, confirmation of, of deals that we're expecting at other clubs, um, some of which might might be appearing later in the show. Mm. Now, Stockport County, Kieran, we know are a club that you have uh, a lot of affection for, um, and they've taken part in an unusual uh, signing this week, haven't they? Yes, this this is Phil Bardsley. Uh, you know, Phil Bardsley, who's, who's who's one of those players who you thought was yeah, you know, what you would call a a solid Premier League fullback. Yeah, you know, he, yeah, yeah. he he's a he's a seven out of ten man. Never never spectacular. Always does a job. And he, you know, I think it was he was at Manchester United, Sunderland, Burnley, and so on. Um, he has uh, he he's joined Stockport County for the rest of the season. He, he was released by Burnley um, in the summer, and and now he's he's been given a contract by uh, by County. Um, but what he said is, you know, I've 
I've been a Premier League footballer. Um, I'm I'm not going to take a salary as such. What I am going to do is I'm going to give it to the local community trust, which which is a fantastic gesture. Brilliant, yeah. Because um, yeah, people say, well, he's earned a lot of money. Yes, he has earned a lot of money as a professional footballer, but he didn't have to do this, and he's done it. And, you know, and 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 I think that's that's the thing. You know, there's some people that are, will, will always be you know trying to, to to focus on their income, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that one at all. But um, he's been training with Stockport for a few months, uh, trying to get his fitness back. He's had one or two injuries over the summer, um, and he said, "Well, you know, as as a way of saying thank you, um, you know, given where he is in his career, he's now 37 years old. He's he's going to give uh, his his salary, and and the way that this would work." Um, is that it will it will attract tax relief? So I think there's something called payroll giving um, or gift aid. So so he won't pay tax um, on the salary, um, and the the club. I don't think the club will necessarily have to go and pay him tax mm. in terms of national insurance. But, but I'm not absolutely certain on that. So I, um, but you know, there, there's everybody wins here. You know, Stockport get the experience of a, of a former Premier League player. Phil Bardsley get, gets the opportunity to play football. And, and sometimes when you, when you listen to footballers, you know, especially when they reach the, the latter stages of their career, they just want to keep on playing. And, and you, you absolutely understand that. Um, and, and the Stockport Community Trust gets uh, you know, some, some additional funds to, to, put, to put towards is, is going to be a really tough winter for many people. Yeah, and those people who are cynical about his gesture – He's only 37. He's got yeah. many, many years of not playing football ahead of him. When you imagine his earnings potential is a lot less than it will be now, he could easily have said, yeah, thank you. I'll take this last few months of salary, but he didn't. So well done him. Having spent uh, several afternoons watching Premier League football games with tabloid journalists, Kieran, I can tell you that they're all seven out of 10 players that kick off. <laughs> and then around about 20 to five, they go, right, we'll, have, we'll, we'll make him a nine and him a five. Because they basically they haven't got time to, to no. look at all the players, and and they, and they send it off, and then the next morning, tabloid footballers get furious. So they're all seven. Um, we spoke to the York City Supporters Trust earlier this year about their role yes. in the uh, change of ownership there, um, and they could be getting a chance to buy even more of the club. Yes, um, for people. Not not familiar. What happened was that the York City Supporters Trust have historically owned about twenty five percent of the club. The other seventy five percent was owned by a company called I think it's called JPM or JM Packaging. Um, and, and then in the summer, uh, Stockport were very very briefly owners of a hundred percent of York of City. the football club. Yeah, and then they effectively immediately sold fifty one percent to a gentleman called Glenn Henderson, who you know, successful businessman in his own right. Um, and yeah, that was that was as recently as July. And then we've seen in the past few days that he is now saying, um, I want to sell. So so he's he's had he bought 51% of the club. So that allowed him to effectively control things on, on a day-to-day basis. Um, the relationship between Glenn Henderson and the fans, and whilst I've not seen anything explicit from the trust, and I can understand why they've not said anything, I, th- I think there's certainly, in terms of relationship between him and the fans, ha- hasn't hasn't really worked out. Yeah, um, he he sacked uh, the manager John Askey um, uh, relatively recently. John Askey was very popular. He'd uh, you know he, he improved things on the pitch, and uh, I, I, 
and, and then we can one of the, these great words that you get from from managers when when they are uh, relieved of their duties. He said, "Yeah, the, the owner was meddling with <laughs> with things." Yeah, yeah, and you go, "All right, yeah, that that means yeah, is he is he is he making suggestions as to yeah style of play, who should play, and so on." Um, so. What Glenn Henderson has therefore said is that um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes relationships don't work out. It's time for me to get out. I'm going to sell his. 50, I'm going to sell the fifty-one percent to the trust um, at a no profit, no loss uh, price, in effect, and and the price will be set by an independent valuer, um, and and that's that's good in one way. The the, the downside is. Yeah, I could I could get ten people to do ten independent values yeah, of of yeah. York City Football Club, and we get ten different prices because trying to work out the true value of a football club is uh, is is tricky to put it mildly. So um, the the position of the trust is that they say, well, we've got we've got four options. A, we could try to buy the club through crowdfunding. You know, with the best one in the world, York City's got a limited fan base. We've got Christmas coming up. We've got yeah. inflation-related cost of living issues as well. So yeah, I think that could could be challenging. It said we'd be willing to talk to a local consortium uh, to see if if they want to do things because you know, York City, yeah, we're we're, we're on on the show. It's it's uh, hub, uh, it's identity, it's all of the positive things that, that we're always keen on. Um, or we could try to get a new investor, or we could simply say to uh, Glenn Henderson, "Thanks, but no thanks. We don't want your fifty-one percent." But but I don't think that's in the interests of of the club. Mm-hmm. If you've got an owner that doesn't want to be there, um, especially if the club's losing a wee bit of money, you know, then then decisions have to be made and and budgets get cut, which which isn't necess- you know, it isn't good from a fan's point of view. Yes, of course. Well, that's a story we'll keep an eye on. And if any of our friends in the York City Supporters Trust want to give us any more insight, it would be very welcome. There's some slightly better news for Coventry City fans, Kieran, even if it's only temporary. Yes. Uh, you know, Mike Ashley did serve a notice of eviction to Coventry City uh, very recently. And we've said, you know, Cov's been on the price of football too often. Yep, yep. Um, and But this this is this is a, you know, a wee step forward. What's happened is that Coventry initially had a 10-year rental deal with the, with the former landlord. Um, Mike Ashley is the new landlord, having bought uh, uh, Coventry Building Society Arena, as it's formerly known, from the administrators. Um, and he's he's now agreed a deal which will take Coventry through to the end of season, which which is good because you know you don't, they they don't want to be playing at Birmingham or Northampton or Walsall wherever it was going to be. Um, they've also got the benefit you know, from a fans' perspective, it's a lot easier to get to matches, so therefore the, the yeah, crowds are higher and so on. Um, uh, yeah, there, there have been some some questions. You know, Doug King who. Is the likely owner? Yeah, I think he, all that's outstanding is uh, his, his him being approved by the EFL in, in terms of the owners and directors test. Um, he, he did offer more for the stadium. Uh, I've, I've subsequently found out, but but Mike Ashley had effectively a period of exclusivity right. with the, the administrators, and and they'd they'd agreed a price. So um, it's it, it's a bit of comfort for Cov fans um, in, in the sense that. They know where they are now until May, and and that gives them time to negotiate something on a more long-term basis. (laughs) 
This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Now, this next story, Kieran, I have a problem with, uh, because normally (laughs) I try and set you up with a bit of pizzazz so you can you can sprinkle some stardust so you can uh, I sort of hint as to what the story is and then you give us the full details and the insight with this one I'm just going to read it out and then I'm going to yes. if you give me a call when you've stopped talking about it and I'll come back and we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll crack on if that's all right um because it says here the EFL has announced its appointees to the club financial review panel yes so um there's been <laughs> well possess that up has <laughs> that up indeed? Yes, there's there's been a few creative accounting issues uh, uh, in in the world of the EFL uh, in recent years, and that this has led to disputes, uh, accusations, points deductions, uh, various uh, meetings held uh, with with you know sort of. Uh, uh, Different points of judicial uh, interpretation of 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 the position. Um, so, what the EFL have done, have said, look, instead of money leaking out of football on on a regular basis, because if these things end up in court, uh, it becomes very expensive. We, we've known that from talking to some of the sports lawyers. Let's have more of a, ne- a negotiated settlement. And what we will do is, uh, provided the football clubs vote in favour of this. We'll sort it out internally um, by having a, a this this club financial review panel, which is which is chaired by uh, King's Council, Christopher Quinton, I think. Um, it's got um, two what they refer to as as football members. One of which is uh, a guy called Nick Igo, who used to be used to be the finance director at uh, at West Ham. I, I've met Nick. He's he's, uh, he's he's a very thorough individual. They've got two people who look at it from the perspective of auditors. One of which is the former head of Deloitte's football unit, Dan Jones. Um, and, and the aim is to to speed up disputes um, because. Uh, if, if you think about what happened with Queen's Park Rangers, that dispute took four years to resolve. 
the, the the ongoing issues with the likes of Sheffield Wednesday and Birmingham and Derby County, of course, that they they took a lot of time. So the aim is to to get things sorted a as quickly as possible, so that there's greater certainty um, for uh, for club owners, for fans, for managers, for, for everybody in the game, and also for other clubs because. Um, we saw in Middlesbrough's accounts, uh, which which came out a couple of weeks ago, of a, a mysterious uh, a mysterious receipt of two point seven million pounds, mm. where the club was a bit coy as to to where it uh, might have come from. But everybody's going, well, that yeah, they did have a dispute with Derby County. Is this two point seven million? Yeah, and 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 that's taken that's taken you know three or four years to resolve as well. So the aim is to speed up the process to to reduce external costs. Um, I, I think the the people who are on this committee are, are, are you know attend on a, sort of on a, as and when required on and, and they 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 get a daily rate on the back of that. Mm. Um, I'm glad we discussed that issue, Kieran, because I I got my last four Christmas cards written during that time. <laughs> um, but just to prove I was paying attention and occasionally going hmm, in the right places, just down the road from QPR, who you mentioned, we have Chelsea, oh. and for. For the first two and a half years of this pod, Kieran, um, certainly until the, the terrible invasion of the Ukraine, we only really spoke about Chelsea in terms of how well they were doing and how mm. financially solvent they were. But we just had a couple of stories. Um, there are no cause for concern, but they're not 100% positive like they used to. And there's a story about one of their sponsorship deals uh, that's emerged this week, which is a slightly odd one. Yes, um, Chelsea signed a uh, sleeve sponsorship deal with an organisation called Whalefin, which is a crypto-based yeah. organisation. Um, and, and Whalefin, uh, yeah, we, we don't know the, the exact details, but you know, the story was that they they'd agreed to pay eighty million pounds over four years, which is a by lot, yeah, yeah uh, by by shirt sleeve sponsorship is is you know a, a fantastic deal. And, and they've also, I think, they've got a, a deal with Inter as well. Mm. Um, and the the stories which have come out from from Bloomberg and other sources, I think, in, in the past few days, is that that deal is now being terminated. And this is on the back of um, a a crypto crash um, because uh, there is a company called FTX, which is controlled by a guy called Sam Bankman-Fried, um, who, um, if you take a look at his uh, his Wikipedia page, he is described as thirty years old and a former billionaire. Now, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> which, which I thought was was quite good. Um, he he's up. Before a congressional hearing, he formed this company called FTX in April 2019. Um, about about uh, six months, about four, about four or five months before we started the price of football. Mm. So we, we don't have uh, former billionaires on our Wikipedia pages. Um, well, only because guys is still one. That's why. Yes, that's right. Yes. Um, but this has caused it has been a, a huge huge crash he he he, he yeah. gave the old spiel of oh yeah i'm 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 going to introduce legitimacy and yeah, and yeah. uh common sense into the world of uh of of these alternative monetary forms and uh he's he's been living uh, he's been living in in the bahamas um in what's described as a lifestyle um, which which sounds very good, but he's now potentially up for wire fraud and money laundering, um, which which does mean that you know perhaps if if the Bahamas are looking for a, a FIFA uh, representative, 
he could he could be well 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 sorted because uh, wire fraud and money laundering are words which which we have associated with with certain people to do with uh, FIFA related uh, shenanigans historically. Um, so the the ripple effect is that some of the other um, crypto industry organisations are saying we are temporarily halting people withdrawing money, um, and and that's that's never. A good thing, you know. If 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 you if you look at bank crises historically, when the banks mm. say um, we're not going to let you take your money out, um, that that normally is indicative of some uh, uh, fairly uh, fair hijinks taking place in the world of finance. Mm. So so Whalefin is is uh, sort of uh, rippling off this, and uh, it, it's looking at its uh, its cost base and saying, well, yeah, that that twenty million pounds to, to Chelsea, it, it looked like a lot of money at the time, and now it's looking a lot more. Mm. Uh, next story, Kieran, takes us to Scotland. Um, and listeners in Wales may be particularly interested to know. We do have an interview this week, but we are going to release it separately again because it, it's um, it's a decent length one, and it's with Hugh Jenkins, the ex uh, chairman of Swansea City, uh, who tells us all about his near two decades at the club and gives us some insight into Welsh football. So that will be dropping separately um, as as. Guy keeps telling me to say uh, (laughs) several minutes after this one. Um, But back in Scotland, um, which is a place we're always happy to visit, a very dear friend of mine, uh, wonderful comedian Fred McCauley, is a St Johnston fan. So he will be interested in this story. Yes. So um, the owner of St Johnston, uh, Jeff Brown, who, who bought the club, in 1986, has said you know, it's, it's time to move on. His his uh, his son was chairman, but his son decided said that I don't want to be chairman anymore. Um, so Johnson of one of those clubs which which are you know, punched above their weight uh, in in terms of Scottish football, and, mm. and good luck to them. Um, so he he is going to sell the club, and, and and we spoke to sorry we, we spoke about York a wee bit earlier, um, in in the sense of who's the likely buyer to be. Um, here it would appear that uh, he he's going to dispose of the club, and it's going to go to the community trust um, with with the with with the, yeah that's with the net proceeds. So. Um, there's always a, a a bit of uh, kerfuffle when, when there's a new change of ownership, but if it uh, if, if it does go to the trust um, or the proceeds go to the trust, then then that's in a good cause. So, you know, I think there's been a few, you know, along with the uh, Phil Bardsey story, another community trust benefiting here. Um, not not all in football is bad. I know a couple of weeks ago we did a show, and, and even you and I at the end of it, and we, we've been doing this for a few years ago, said to each other, "Blimey, that that was that was really bleak." Um, yes. So, so uh, it's uh, good to have a few, a few more positive uh, stories to, to to talk about this time. Yeah, even our good friend Martin Searle, who drops a little uh, weekly review of each show on Twitter, used the word bleak about that. There was a, a Christmas Carol vibe about that one. Without Tiny <laughs> yes. Tim, without Tiny Tim getting better at the end. Our final. T- oh, sorry, that's a spoiler alert, wasn't it? Sorry about that, everyone. If you've not read the book. Tiny Tim gets better, everyone. Um, <laughs> our, last, our, our last two stories. Well, he doesn't die. He might. He might be carrying on in a lot of pain for all I know. But he doesn't die. Let's put it that way. Um, he gets better. It's my favourite book. Our last two stories, Kieran, take us to Manchester, and and several people told us that they they were uh, raised their eyebrows at the amount of money that Arsenal owe to other clubs 
in transfer fees, uh, but Man United are comfortably ahead of them. Yeah, that they've they've given a, a major hold my beer moment um, <laughs> to to the world of uh, football. Yeah, yeah, they owe I think it's uh, three hundred and six wow. million pounds in outstanding instalments. So they've bought players on credit. They've paid a deposit. You know, normally you, you will put down you know, X percent. So when Manchester United uh, bought Aaron Wan Bissaka from from Palace, for example, they put down a fifty percent deposit, and they said we'll pay you another fifty percent in a year's time. So uh, the, the 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 settlement of of football transfers is, is something which is done in an instalments basis. Um, they, they spent a lot of money in the summer of 2022. They've just published, and because they are listed in the New York Stock Exchange, they have to publish accounts on a quarterly basis. So this is for the first quarter of 2022-23. Revenues up, um, which is which is good. Although broadcast revenue is down because they're in the Europa League instead of the Champions League, wages have fallen, um, and, and wages were at record level. But what Manchester United have is in their player contracts, and we mentioned something similar with regards to Bournemouth earlier. Manchester United, uh, they either have you know, big incentives in terms of wages. Uh, if you qualify for the Champions League, or they have cuts if you qualify for the Europa League, depending on how you you choose to interpret the document. But the the wages bill is down. Um, Although wages went down, overheads uh, went up. um, And and overheads went up by 40%, which is is, a lot of money. And they said, oh, yeah, we we had a pre-season tour this year. Um, so I, I don't know whether they went on personal air, aircraft or, or they were staying in seven-star hotels, but you know, to, to blame it on a pre-season tour seemed a bit harsh. And then they said, oh, yeah, the uh, the lecky bills, they've gone up as well. Right. And I thought, this just seems a, a bit strange, you know, for a a club the size of, of Manchester United to be saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we know it's, uh, 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 our our gas, gas and light bills have gone up and... That's right. Um, they, they also said that they, they would have had a better financial performance uh, had it not been for uh, the, the passing of Her Majesty the Queen um, because matches matches were postponed um, and that had an impact upon revenues as well. So, uh, so some very sort of slightly some very surreal comments. Mm. Um, and uh, one thing which does get fans worked up is uh, the amount of borrowings and also the Glazers, the Glazer family. Um, <laughs> well, in terms of the borrowings, um, Manchester United have hit um, a, a record level of £909 million in what we call football net debt. And this is used by UEFA. And this says, well, how much money do you, do you uh, owe to the bank? Take away any cash you've got in the bank. How much money do you owe to other clubs for, for transfer deals? And we take away any money which is owed to you. So this is this is shot up by by around about quarter of a billion pounds in three months, which is quite a spectacular achievement. Um, I'd expect it to come down in due course. Um, and you know, on the back of that, uh, the Glazers, who have been uh, taking the the lion's share of the eleven million pounds in dividends, which has been paid out every six months. Have said uh, we're we're not going to take a dividend uh, now, um, and I think if, if they believe that they're going to get a lot of sympathy from Manchester United fans as a result of this uh, decision, uh, I, I don't think it's going to be coming their way. But the fact that for the first time in in six years, Manchester United are not going to pay a dividend, 
um, I think is indicative that even though it's an amazingly cash-generative club, even they probably think that this is taking the mickey a bit um, and therefore we're going to slow down. And the trouble is, is that other shareholders in Manchester United who, who don't have the surname Glazer, there we go, well, well hold on, you know, we, we normally get some of yeah, this yeah, money yeah. every six months as well. So, so we have therefore seen a fall in the Manchester United share price. And, you know, and we said that uh, uh, it, it increased it by 75% uh, in the course of sort of you know, six or seven days following the announcement of the potential sale of the club. But that, that is now starting to decline and it, and it fell around about 10% after these results came out. Do you know what, Kieran? I feel slightly sorry for our poor late Queen because she's getting the blame for a lot of things which seem to yes. me aren't her fault. Jeremy Hunt, for example, this week saying that the UK economy was slowed down dreadfully by the extra bank holiday we had to have uh, for the Queen's funeral. It's like there are a lot of reasons why the economy in this country is tanking, mm. Jeremy. And I think the Queen <laughs> comes way down the bottom of that list. Um, yes. Although I do like the idea, I have to say, of one of the Glazers actually having a press conference in Manchester to the local national press and saying, oh, the lecky bill, we would, the lecky bill's gone right. <laughs> really gone sky high, really in a, in a broad New York accent. Uh, meanwhile, Manchester City, and we discussed the idea of Bournemouth expanding their stadium right at the start of the show, Kieran, and Manchester City are exploring uh, the same thing. Not the idea of expanding Bournemouth Stadium, expanding their own stadium, <laughs> I should point out. Yes. Um, so uh, the, the Etihad currently is a capacity of around about you know, mid-50s. Um, and there, there's talk about increasing the size because uh, you know, Anfield's going to 61,000. We've got uh, we've got Arsenal and Spurs in the low 60s. We've got Manchester United at, what, 74,000. But I expect that to go higher in due course, depending upon who, who owns the club. Um Manchester City, they know that there's, you know, there's, there's a chance that uh, the, there will be these new uh, financial and sustainability rules, so therefore they need to, to increase revenue. Um, and one way of doing that is if you, if you don't have a Super League to play in, I think they were always sort of, uh, my understanding is they were pretty reluctant Super League uh, uh, aficionados, is to, to increase your match day income. So increasing the capacity of the Etihad to, to low 60s, um, and also using that, that that sort of land plot which they they occupy to to generate additional money on non match days and, and yeah this is something that we've mentioned on many an occasion is that that football is a dumb industry in that it's got costs three hundred and sixty five days a year in terms of wages and, yeah. and lecky bills and so on um, and it's got revenue on you know twenty five thirty if you're lucky depending upon your cup runs. Um, and what clubs are trying to do is is to address that particular issue. Um, and if, if they build a hotel, uh, there is a shortage of hotels in Manchester, I can assure you, as, yeah. as somebody that, that stays up there on a regular basis. Um, uh, and you know, you know, Gary Neville's bought, uh, built, built a hotel next to Old Trafford, uh, City having one, uh, which, which wouldn't be too far from the uh, city centre. And it is on a tram link as well. So, uh, you know, it 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 potentially could be uh, could could be cash generative for uh, for City. Well, also you'll get uh, you'll just get a lot of City fans who, who book a room to stay there just because it's the City Hotel. I I, I yeah. stayed yeah. I stayed in the the hotel at Bolton's ground, um, 
I'm not a Bolton fan, but I was really excited. I woke up in the morning and opened the curtains and there was a football pitch in front of me. So if I was a Bolton fan, I would have moved in. Um, Thank you to everyone (laughs) who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. Uh, That includes Christopher Hartley, who says, I'm a big fan of the pod, which is entertaining and informative, but also shows great ethics. You may be surprised to hear that I've taken advice from the pod into my work at CERN. Um, I am incredibly surprised to hear that, to be perfectly honest, Christopher. And by amazing coincidence, just two nights ago, I was discussing the Hadron Collider with my son, Ed, who is probably better informed about things like this than I am, because I said, seems to me, Ed, that's a lot of money to spend on finding out what happens to an atom when you smash it at a million miles around a 12-mile-long tunnel. And it says there's slightly more to it than that, Dad. Um, your grasp of <laughs> the grasp of physical science isn't up to scratch. And he lent me a book, which I will no doubt get around to reading sometime. But thank you for that, Christopher. Um, Christopher says to us, keep up the good work. And in brackets, why don't you publish the accounts of the pod? <laughs> that's a good idea. I'll, 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 give, I'll give you two reasons. Producer guy, that's two reasons. Um, <laughs> This is a, it's a question we've asked him on a regular basis. If you'd like to join Christopher Hartley by making a small monthly contribution to the pod, then please go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. If you have a question you'd like to answer on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. The interview with Hugh Jenkins will be available in just a few short minutes' time. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, well, thank you, uh, Patreon uh, supporters. Uh, we do appreciate uh, the way that you uh, you, you invest in the show. Um, th- there's other ways that you can do that, uh, and one of those is, is going on to your podcast app and uh, giving us a review. If you can give us five stars, it, it helps us in the charts. It helps us with algorithms. It helps us um, having a bit of credibility when we when we approach people out the blue and say, "Hey, we're two we're two guys from South London doing a podcast about football finance. Would you like to come on the show?" and, and yeah, the fact that we are uh, seem to get you know, in the main pretty good reviews and uh, are, are regularly in the charts um, just helps us with that credibility. Um, it, it doesn't matter what you say in terms of of narrative uh, for the review. So, so you could say you could pr- even have it presented by Robert Smith of the Cure in Happy Mode and Mike Smash of Radio Fab. Because I think those two would be an absolute, spectacularly entertaining uh, uh, pair of presenters. Um, and uh, I'd certainly listen. I don't think Robert Smith could keep it up that long, Kieran. It's all very well <laughs> smiling your way for a three-minute song about love cats. But uh, him and Mike Smash. Bye, everybody. Bye. Buy some football.